Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mixtape Mixtape. Podcast, podcast. I'm your host, Julia. And I'm your host, Mike. Each week, we pick a topic and make you a mix. Mike, what's this week's topic? This week's topic, we are going deep and paying tribute to one of the best bands of all time, the only band that matters, The Mighty Clash. So we chose, well, first of all, uh, did you know that there's a quarantine in process? I, I did know that. I did know that because oh. I'm not allowed to leave my house. So oh, got it. I don't know if, uh, if, if the listeners, the loyal listeners of the podcast will remember this, but we're not so tech savvy. If you no. listen to the first like two or three episodes of the podcast, it sounds like- I mean, like really, our, you shouldn't, but you shouldn't. yes. <laughs> uh, let's just start here. Uh, but we uh, we figured out how to do a Zoom uh, microphone garage band thing. Mm-hmm. And so we are resuming the podcast. This is like a podcast for, for the new world, like a quarantine-friendly world. Did, would you say we're resuming? Oh, <laughs> resume. I'm going to buy some resume stock because it's going like resume crazy i don't know okay you know what billy what's his name not billy blanks what was the guy who used to do the infomercials he used to do zoom (laughs) that guy would like take stains out with it oh gosh yes i don't remember his name he's dead he did Uh, he is dead (laughs) um so we're bringing you we took a break from doing the podcast mostly because we couldn't figure out how to do it and right. also we have to socially distance ourselves and quarantine for the better of the rest of the country. To be responsible. Hey, yeah. What I'm told is you can have your pod of people, like maybe another couple that you hang with or whatever, if you're in the same circumstance. Occasionally, you know, mm-hmm. if you're all healthy, then that's okay. But you got to pick yeah. your, you got to pick your squad. So I have my Anaheim squad and Julia has her. Long Beach squad consisting of her husband and Harlow, the St. Bernard. Yeah, Yeah. we really only leave the house to walk the dog, and we don't walk her very far anymore. Um, Just because we notice more and more now that the CDC has recommended that people wear masks, people don't wear masks. Yeah. And so it's really builds up your anxiety even more to walk right by someone who's not wearing a mask at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speak from I because, you know, that's your anxiety. For me, I don't, I'm like, I don't really, I see him and I just keep my distance. You know, I'm like, okay, I, I see you over there. I see you. And I walk over yeah, there. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you're doing a great job and I'm doing a great job of keeping distance from people. But like in Long Beach, there's so many runners still out there yeah. and they just fly right by you. They don't care. Like their sweat could be dripping off of them and hit you. Like, I don't know. They they don't take any precautions. And yeah, there's there's upsetting. Even though California is flattening the curve, quote unquote, of this thing, and I think we're actually doing a pretty good job of that. I think that there's a there's a lot of people that are treating this like a 
like a two week vacation or whatever it is, you know, or a three totally. or a month vacation. And now people, it ain't like that. <laughs> like, no. yeah, take it seriously. And so again, we can get back to work. You know, we can all totally. get back to our lives. It's, and because I live on the beach too, like there are so many people that on the weekends, like right now, there's so many people outside. Like the oh, beaches yeah. are closed. The police yeah. are on the beach. They're kicking people out. Like, why do you still do it? Stay home. Yeah. And, and, and those police could be doing something important other than kicking loiterers out of a place yeah. where it's unsafe to be. Well, I hear that Huntington Beach is open. Uh, and really? Yeah. That the beach itself, wow. parking lot's closed and the uh, and any of the services, oh. you can't really park there, but if you were to walk there, you can get on the beach, uh, as long as you're in a safe distance from other people. Got it. And I know people are going to take advantage of that. I mean, you know, yeah. well, maybe not right ne- I mean, obviously it's raining today, but uh, not where I am. I'm in the oh. Bahamas. So <laughs> I'm riding it out. I'm riding you're out Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jamming. See, it's not fake at all. <laughs> this isn't fake. This is a fake background. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Well, they so. had, they left the beach path open for a while and it was just, it got too crowded. So they closed the beach path down too hmm. in Long Beach. So, um, well, if you close a beach path in Long Beach, that's, that's pretty much you're closing the entire yeah. beach. Cause that's like, everybody yeah. uses that to get around. Right. Totally. But anyways, now that we've figured out what to do, trying to give you the audience something to look forward to, something to listen to while you're something to do, you know, while you're deep cleaning your dresser, while you're refolding all your clothes. Recondo that shit. Get in there, (laughs) man. Does it bring you joy? Does it bring you joy? Really? While you're just pacing around your house to get some movement during the day. um, Yeah. Here's a brand new episode for you guys. We're going through The Clash. Yeah, The Clash. So um, we did this once before with R.E.M. R.E.M., right. That was your band of choice where we went We went through their entire catalog, kind of their history. Yeah. And made easier like for, our Easier own. for me than it was for Julia, I think. Uh, for the oh, I listened so. to like all... 30 of their albums. So you, you, so you got to like monster and you realize, okay, I'm done here. Like, I don't need to go any further than this. It, no, <laughs> I, I continued and I really did listen to everything, but after some point it all sounded the same to me. So yeah. Yeah. I they, don't, yeah. I think they, I think there's a, there's an arc to every band. Right. And totally and just regardless, because you get to a point where, um, I don't know. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that make up the history and, and the, the history and the songwriting prowess of a band, right? So you have, you have, oh my God. Siri what happened? To me. Siri was talking to me. Shut that bitch up. Seriously. Uh, but there's like a, a, an arc to, to these things. And so like you start songwriting at, at an age where you got nothing to do but write songs and spend all day doing that. And, uh, and you know, you're poor and you're, you're limited by your level of, playing ability and all this you come up with something really unique and cool sounding and then at some point you kind of master the art of what you're doing or your style quote unquote and you're doing that for 20 years and and then you're like kind of just manufacturing what you did when you were 19 and uh, I don't think REM necessarily did that I think they they peaked a lot later than most bands do I think their catalog is pretty darn good but we're talking about a band today who you could honestly say um they kind of went out at the right time, I think. I think they, they, you know, The Clash is one of those bands that 
if you like ska, you like reggae, dub, uh, rockabilly, punk rock. Punk, any, yeah. I mean, anything. And, and they pretty much were committed to playing it. And that's only because they were just open. I mean, you're talking about street kids here, you know? Mm-hmm. Or kids, well, some street kids and then kids that chose to live on the street, which are, you know, which really Joe Strummer did. I mean, he, you know, his yeah. parents were pretty well off anyway, but, you know, or, or at least established. But it was part of that movement. It was the 70s. People got yeah. tired of their, I don't know, I, I assume. Tired of your bullshit rules, man. Truly, like, <laughs> cool. Having money is cool, but it comes at a cost of having to do X, this, this, this. So Right, exactly. It was the 70s, late 70s. Uh, forming of punk in the UK, the unrest in the UK. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you talk about how much angst really came from the UK at that time. And when you're looking at racial division, right, because you have the National Front who's saying that, you know, immigrants shouldn't have jobs. Wow, go figure. Uh, we're that still sounds familiar. Argument. Yeah, I know, right? And then not, not to mention, that, and that only matters because there weren't a lot of jobs to be had, you know, right? Exactly. So that was a big a problem. Of, a lot of people living on the dole and a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of places, squats basically where they're just, no one's paying rent and, mm-hmm. you know, vacant buildings and buildings that are half burned down or whatever. And it lent itself to a punk scene. You could just go and squat somewhere with 10 of your buddies and hang out in a vacant building and have shelter and then, you know. Drink all day. Go, drink all day. Go to your clubs Drugs at night, all day. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So anyway. So um, a good resource to learn more about the band uh, was this Spotify podcast that I listened to, The Fury of the Clash. Um, yeah. It was narrated by Chuck D. And it was amazing. Each episode, good, yeah. each episode hit a different album and the history of making that album. Um, so I just... That was such a good podcast. I loved that so much. It was so well yeah. done. And Chuck D was such a good person to narrate the podcast. It, it was really great. Well, you know what's funny is it automatically lends some kind of cred to the podcast right away, having Chuck D do it. Yeah, you know? totally. You know, because if there's, I mean, you're when you think about a quote unquote white music, which I think punk rock is. despite it is, it right? Is. Yeah. Um, if you have Chuck D that's like, you know, Chuck D wrote Elvis is a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. So it's a white, I mean, you know, it's like to have him say, no, this is an influential band. And it was brought, it, it, it's really cool because he tells the origin of, of how he was introduced to the clash, you know, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. Cause you go into it. Um, you're like, how does this, how are they going to tie these two groups together? These two musical genres together? How does this like, go hand in hand but it does like chuck d's was the forerunner of the hip-hop movement so um let's talk about who's in the group who is the clash clash is led by joe strummer who is a genius and unfortunately not with us anymore no Um, no absolutely not but Uh, did so much for the genre itself yeah go on and then, you know, you have uh, what I like about the clash is it's not necessarily a group of well-heeled musicians or even guys who knew how to play their instruments. And no, not at all from that podcast. And there's some other films on the So the podcast we're talking about is called, uh, what's it called? It's called the theory uh, of the clash. Theory of clash. Is that what it is? I, I thought it was the called, theory. So, um, yeah, talk about guys who 
like Pete Simonin or Paul Simonin, Paul Simonin, Paul Simonin, who didn't even know how to play bass, you know, mm-hmm. and he just he kind of looked looked the part. He looked the part. That's yeah. that's the cool. That's the funniest thing about being in a band is like you look indie. You look like a punk. Well, and you know what? I wish bands would do that. I would. I wish bands today would still do that. Like, if you do, had, I look ska. Can I? Can you I look kind of ska. Yeah, you could be cool. in a ska band for sure. But like, I, you know, you see, you see us, and ska kind of got off the rails with that because who gives a shit? Like anybody <laughs> could do it. You know, like you play the flute. Yeah, come and play my ska. You're in the band, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying, like, you got one dude who looks like a pirate. You got another guy who's got a, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, there was a band that was out there where a guy wore a captain's hat and there was another guy who had like a, who was like a Hessian, like metal dude. It's like, oh, I just watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody last night for the first time. Oh, and yeah. you just look at all of those members of the band, like yeah. the big curly fro, right. uh, the 70s bangs. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Let's just, let's just get a cohesive message here. But obviously, you know, then you have uh, 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 Mick Jones. Mick Jones and, and Topper. And Topper, yeah. So, you know, it, what what I really enjoyed about this podcast or about this uh, History of the Clash podcast was the history behind the, the more of the origin story. The rest of the stuff I kind of knew. Like I knew, you know, the, the, the uh, concert stand um, that they had to do in New York because they oversold it. I, mm-hmm. I knew... Or no, not ever sold. They they basically had a uh, a problem with uh, with occupancy. You know, the fire fire marshal shut them down. I knew all that stuff from. There's a really great. There's another great Clash uh, documentary that's out there, uh, and a Joe Strummer one as well called "The Future Is Unwritten." Uh, but they're they're uh, so all that I kind of knew, but I didn't know the origins. I didn't know that that you know Topper just answered an ad and and kind of came in and. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just hit the drums harder than anybody else. And so he was in. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Definitely yeah. really cool. And like part of something that I'm trying to fix for myself is I don't know the band as much as like I love any band. I love their music, but I never pay attention to the members of the band or the history of the band. Right. Yeah. So I'm really trying to like get out of that and really because you appreciate the band so much more like I can confidently say after listening to that podcast and watching other documentaries, the clash is one of my favorite bands of all time. Absolutely. Mine too. Yeah. 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 And, and Joe Strummer's always, and I've told this story before on the podcast, uh, but I actually came really late to the party, to the clash late meaning I was probably in my early twenties. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. knew, had London calling that I knew. Right. And I yeah. was in a car uh, with an ex-girlfriend and she had this is how old the car was it was like a honda accord but in the center console it had a built-in place for tapes came Love from the it. factory with places for tapes in there yeah and she always i one thing that really impressed me by her was that she had a other stuff i was probably like eight there's probably like six or seven spots for tapes there and one of them was the style council which i thought was really cool like wow she she that's really that's really obscure that's a really obscure band for an american to like you know uh to have paul weller's sex, second project on there uh but then this she had that london calling cassette double cassette and i remember being like yeah that's like i don't even know what that is that's like geezer music i don't know what that is i i assumed it was for old people that's what i assumed i assumed really? it was like yeah for some reason i assumed it was like my brother's generation's music even though my brother was into metal i don't know why 
And then it wasn't until um, I was probably 23, 24, I was in that car and I put it in, I put in just to hear it, you know, just to hear it. And man, I was sold like immediately. Those first two seconds just get yeah, you absolutely. In, on London calling. Absolutely. Like it, that just sucks you in. It's yeah, so totally. good. Totally. And then, uh, and then years later, um, I was lucky enough to see Joe Strummer, uh, and the Mascaleros at the, uh, Troubadour. Oh, that's, and, you're lucky. Yeah. That's it, cool. it was really great. And, and to be honest, after that time, I, I was living actually in Long Beach at the time and I was driving to work when I worked in Anaheim. I was in the hotel. I was a bellman at a hotel and I was in my late twenties going to school and living in Belmont Shore. And I drove, uh, I was driving on, uh, I was just getting on the freeway I'll get on the 22 mm-hmm. when I heard that Joe Strummer passed away. And it really hit me like hard. Cause I felt like that was one of the Joe Strummer, uh, Joe Strummer and the clash were that one band that I kind of, first of many bands that no friends recommended it to me. I just kind of, I feel like I discovered it on my you own. Kind of have a sense of pride. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That I was like, Oh man, I, you know, even though it's one of the most popular records of all time, I mm-hmm. mean, if it's new to you, it's a new discovery, you know? So, yeah, I think I found the London calling CD in my brother-in-law's collection and I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to take this because it looked yeah. cool. And I've I've heard the name The Clash, but it's once I started listening to it, I was hooked. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's great. Well, um, I'll play Let's, the first track if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Are you going but, out? How are we going to do this? Are we doing album by album? Or are you just playing favorite songs? Um, we don't have to go album by album per se. Okay. Uh, but I will play an early song. Uh, okay. This is one of the first non- um, clash songs that I heard uh, growing up. And so I'm going to do, uh, I'm just going to do Clash City Rockers just because it's a relatively cool one. So here we are Clash City Rockers off of the album The Clash, the eponymous album. And I want to move the town to the Clash City Rockers. You need a little jump of electrical shocker. Better leave town if you only want to knock us. Stop the time to break her up the Clash City Rockers. I've always liked that song. I don't know. I it's gonna be hard for me to comment on anything because I'm gonna like everything that I hear. Yeah, me too. Me too. And and but you you get the the idea of how raw that song is and how kind of screaming joe's voices and and all that it's and for this being their debut album and being so ingrained in the punk scene at that time they don't sound like the other punk bands that are out there no not at all and that's like and that's the beauty of it is they were you know if uh if the uh sex pistols are anarchy these guys are definitely more i don't know they're they're more uh more rebellious they're not they're like they're like the um they're like the uh, Sex Pistols, only they're not sycophants. Like, you don't get that they're there to get wasted and have a good exactly. time and, and die young. They're like, purposeful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's something that followed in their whole career. But, well, what do you have for your for your? So, um, since you went and played uh, from their premiere album, The Clash, which came out in 77, I'll play I'm So Bored with the USA. I just, Great. I like that song. Let's hear it. 
Yeah, that's a great song. I think uh, I liked, I just liked that they kind of had some songwriting chops there, you know, and listening to that doc or that, uh, that podcast, uh, mm-hmm. when they start talking about how much they practice, you know, and how, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they brought something interesting up on that, on that podcast as well as like, that punk really lasted for nine months in the UK, you know, with mm-hmm. the, with the opening of that Roxy club mm-hmm. and they interviewed the people who opened the Roxy club. I mean, that was really cool because totally agree with that. Like, you know, before it became about fashion or about, you know, before no offense, but the McLarens and the Vivian West were Westwoods kind of took yeah. over that style yeah. and it kind of made it a fashion movement more than a, more than a rebellious music movement. Um, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool to to have that. So we're recommending the podcast to everybody. So go, I know. Go, yeah. <laughs> this is just a podcast for that podcast. Yeah. And, and the podcast actually has a really cool playlist with it that is some yes. Clash songs, but a lot of other like MIA. They have all these other ones that are all these other uh, artists that are on it, which are really cool. So what I did when I listened to it, I listened to the episode and then I went back and listened to the album. Then I did another episode. Then I did the album. So oh, I listened really to cool. everything. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Okay. I'm going to do that too. Cause that's, that's probably, I just listened to it in my car. And then when I was at work, I like mm-hmm. put my headphones in and just had my head down listening to it. That so, is kind of the bummer. So I've been furloughed everybody. I don't have a job furloughed. right now. <laughs> furloughed. Um, so I don't listen to as many podcasts anymore. I just like the TV's on all the time. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Trying to get out of that, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Definitely recommend don't leave the TV on if, unless you want to be scared. Yeah, <laughs> it will scare you for everything. Um, should we jump around? I kind of want to move to it's actually one of my favorite albums that they did. Uh, but you know, it was kind of uh, not one of their most successful, it was considered like a, a kind of a more of a sellout record, I think. Um, Which one, Sandinista? No, I was going to say, or, or, or a departure from their sound. Not necessarily a sellout, but a departure from their original sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, Give Them Enough Rope, which oddly ah, enough, um, I bought Give Them Enough Rope um, at Pepperland Music when I was like 15 years old, just because I felt like I had to have it. Uh-huh. And I thought it looked really cool with the person I was with that I bought a Clash record. Like I had no idea who the Clash were. And I listened to it. And I'm like, nah, I didn't really like it. So turns out, you know, you got to be a fan already or, or whatever <laughs> to listen to it, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's some people now people look back and they because it's it's so well produced mm-hmm. uh, and it's well, you know, and that's the hard part, too, I guess, in being a band. And you could maybe elaborate on it like they did the first album on a budget sure. quick in a probably shitty sound studio. The second album, you get upgraded you're a hit, you get upgraded, you have more professionals working with you, you you're surrounded by really high-tech 70s equipment, so yeah. you can't help it if you sound better. Unfortunately, sometimes the fans take it the wrong way. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and they had a producer, like a legitimate yeah. producer that, that helped them with it, and I, to be honest, I think there's so many great songs on here, uh, and uh, on that, on that uh, podcast, they mentioned that Tom Morello mentioned that he, like, like this is the best top five best rock albums of all time, you know, is, is, yeah. uh, is this one, but I'm going to play Tommy gun just cause it's, I thought I liked the version of this on this song. So here it is. Tommy gun by the clash off of give them enough rope. Tommy gun, you beat them. 
like, I'm not going to keep saying I like that song, but that was one of their singles off of that album. And right. it was a good song. Yeah. Well, I like how you got Topper on there with the, with the drum beat in the beginning, you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of sounds like a machine gun. And you know, none of that was by accident. That's like, no, <laughs> and he was doing a lot of things that other drummers weren't. So they were very experimental in their music too. Absolutely. Um, I have a song off that album too. I'll just go ahead and play Stay Free. Just because awesome. yeah. it's such a good song. Great choice, yeah. Yeah, I I really like that song. What I like about that song more than anything is how poppy that song is. Totally. In that collection of songs. Like that could be a, I don't know, like if, could that like be like a Herman? Song. Yeah, yeah, an yeah. indie pop song. Like it, could Bell and Sebastian have written that song? Maybe. You know what I mean? Like who wrote, didn't Joe write that about someone else in the band? Or someone wrote that about his friendship with someone else yeah, and then yeah. they got a lot of shit for it because they're like, oh, it's kind of gay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, it was his buddy, the their like roadie guy. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, it was about the roadie. Yeah. It was about but it's such yeah. a such a sweet song, though. Yeah, and uh, you know, hey, it shows the versatility of the band, which is great. They're not pigeonholed into one thing. Like, would that song ever appear on a Sex Pistols record? No, it's more no. akin. To, it's it's more akin to a Buzzcocks record or something something that's a little different. And I think time. that's why I like the Clash so much because I I like the Sex Pistols. I like punk music but i enjoy a melody yeah for sure and i and that's why the clash and even buzzcocks resonate with me even more because i need like a little pop melody in my music yeah and and uh that's that's what made it different right so if you have a band like uh again like the sex pistols or um i guess generation well no more the sex pistols they were a little more thrashy but bands became more poppy you know, and more palatable. And that's what yeah. made it really cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think we should, um, I think for mine, we want to talk about the versatility of the band itself. Uh, I'd kind of like to play the Police and Thieves cover just because you think about an example of using your, I don't know, using your, uh, your fame, you uh-huh. know, and to kind of unite people without even knowing it. You know, they, the class, uh, well, no, they didn't know it. I mean, you got a guy like Joe Strummer who at the oh, time. Oh, he knew what he was doing the whole time. Yeah he, yeah. he knew what he was doing for sure. And I think uh, to, to use, to, to cover a song like police and thieves at a time when it was recently on the radio, you know, for a, for mm-hmm. a, a punk band like this to do that, I think it's pretty amazing. So let's play police and thieves. The Clash version. Police and thieves in the street. was that off of that is off of is that the first one yes okay. i believe that is off the first one 
which again is such a odd song to cover on your debut album and it's a reggae song yep and again just shows i love that they went down that path from the very beginning yeah and a junior marvin song at the time too and it's like what what it said what it says to like a band like the or or a band or a a movement like the national front is fuck you you know like we're all in this together and our own our only real enemy in all of this is not each other it's poverty you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, and you know, that's, that's been a common through line in a lot of bands, uh, protest music or, or politically aware music, even hell, even Bradley Noel. I mean, on Sublime's album, you know, it's, you know, the song about, uh, uh April 26th. Yeah. April 26th, 1992. 1992. And you know, they've got that line in there where it's, it's not about, uh, uh, so about rate. Ah, fuck, I forgot the lyrics now. God dang it. <laughs> the fucked up situation and these fucked up police, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's about, about screaming one, eight, seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, That's it's about power and control. I don't know. So I think, um, I just, I just really love the song and the fact that the, I think they had the balls to cover that. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. awesome because they endear themselves to, you know, the, uh, the black Caribbean community that, in Jamaica at the time and, and to all the unity people that were out there that, that use that as an example. If, I mean, you've seen this as England, you know about that time and about coming up through there, how easy it was to blame a Pakistani for your problems or, or somebody from the Caribbean for your problems and and just have a band like this rebellious that did that said, Hey, you're smarter than that. You know, it's pretty cool. It gives the audience a lot of credit, you know, which is great. So anyway, and it builds a bigger audience than for sure. your normal little punk kids. For sure, for sure. And yeah. and the best band to do that, you know, they're the best band to do that for sure. So anyway, what do you um, have next? I don't know. Should we jump into London Calling already? Why Kinda. not? There's so many great songs on it. I know. I mean, we can. Okay, so one of my favorite songs on that album is, I think it's Train in Vain. Yeah. Is that the, that's the unreleased one, right? Or right. the untitled song untitled on there? Untitled one, yeah. Yeah, and that one became one of their huge hits off of that album that people didn't know the name of it. Like, they were looking for that song specifically, but it had no name. Um, So, Train in Vain, let's listen. Let's do that. really cool song really good choice and probably their biggest hit i think that was the yeah. biggest hit in the united states right it, uh, it was yeah. yeah so still uh still played on uh quote-unquote classic rock stations and whatnot so i think that's Which again like this whole album doesn't sound like a punk album no no for sure it's, it doesn't. it's just good music yeah just just down to the to the the bite of the elvis presley font like in the front yes. you know i yeah. mean it's 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 telling you hey whether it was done by accident or it was a, a genius ploy by Strummer and company to like make this a huge album, I kind of mm-hmm. lean towards the side of it being more of an accident uh, that it, that all this stuff kind of came and had this perfect cocktail, but it, it really works. And it is, I mean, the album was really important, you know? I mean, talking about the people who would cite this album as a, uh, as a uh, 
influence. It's, it's pretty amazing, but you know what I want to, I want to play off of London calling. Uh, I want to play the guns of Brixton just because you have, you have a guy like Paul Simonon who did not play his instrument, did not know how to play bass guitar. And I want to say that he pretty much, he's come up with so many of their great songs, right? Like Mm -hmm. just by accident, just picking something out and he makes it cool. I mean, no, no doubt. Mick Jones is a great songwriter, like as far as music goes. And Joe Strummer's a phenomenal lyricist. And I think that's how a lot of their songs are written. But this one is pretty awesome. Uh, so let's play Guns of Brixton. When they kick at your front door, how you gonna come? that's i don't know it's a great song off of that album uh lyrically it's it's so strong and so powerful yeah. too yeah yeah exactly and uh you got a guy like they they were trying to get paul to sing on the the albums for a long time and uh he never did we're talking 1979 so he'd been a band for four years mm-hmm. you know or whatever at this point and uh he never did and to have him in alone in the studio, write that baseline and have that song 90% done before anybody even got to the studio mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. And then to sing it, to sing it. Yeah. To yeah. And they're like, Oh, well you sing it, you know, then, and then uh, also the iconic London calling album cover. That's not Joe Strummer. That's Paul. That's mm-hmm. Paul swinging that. That's a bass guitar. It's swimming, swinging. So it's pretty, pretty iconic. I mean, that guy will be etched in the, history of rock and roll forever you know yeah and the sad part is is that you know paul had a drug problem and before this song was released he was out of the band <laughs> so you know there, there's there's a sad story where paul is talking in the in the uh there's a documentary where he does this but also in the podcast where he's like yeah uh i was out of work broke and on the radio that was my song that they were playing on the mm-hmm. radio you know so really uh really shitty but anyway what do you got next? Um, I'm going to do another one from London Calling just because I love that I don't blame album you. so much. I don't blame okay. you. You could do Thank a lot. You. you could do a lot. Uh, we'll do Lost in the Supermarket. Love it. Great yeah. song. I've got my giant hit discotheque album. I empty a bottle. I feel a bit free. Kids in the halls and the pipes in the walls. Make me noises for company. Long distance callers make long distance calls. yeah that's a great song uh talk about a poppy song like right really really super cool uh and and the tempo of the song i mean we're talking about this supposed to be a punk record right Mm -hmm. and the tempo of the song is pretty mellow so i i uh i have always liked the song so it's great and i think um Lyrically, I think it's great. You know, the first, I wasn't born as much as I fell out. Like, you know, talks about that whole generation kind of feeling disposable, which is yeah true. And wait, I think, go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's kind of carried over into the next generation as well. I think, totally. Yeah, it, I that's think, one way to like pull in your audience is a lyric like that. Anyone who feels 
like they don't belong. Totally. It, it gets you right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, as if you needed to feel that way, like if one band was on your side when you're, you know, yeah. 16 years old, this band was that band for you for sure in, in England at that time. Um, I know we have a few songs left, but I'd like to play another one off of, uh, off of uh, London Calling. And let's, let's put a, let's put a, a point on it at that point. We'll move okay, on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no problem. But I really like Spanish bombs. Um, yeah. The fact that they're singing in Spanish, you know, in <laughs> Spanish bombs or trying to, you know what I mean? I really like, appreciate their butchering of the Spanish yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. But and it's, caught us on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so endearing. I yeah, love it. Right. No, and, and they wanted to like, hey, man, let's figure this out. Let's, you know, uh, there's a great part in that podcast where he's talking about getting it translated over the uh-huh. phone, you know. <laughs> it was Some, someone's who? Someone's mom or, or. Yeah, a friend's mom like translated it. And yeah. I think they misheard a lot of, of what and she I, was saying I think they're just the trying phone. to do it phonetically, you know, yeah. trying to make it happen. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's listen to Spanish Bombs. Here it goes. Bullet holes in the cemetery walls. The black car, the Johnny of the beer Spanish bombs on the Costa Rica I'm dying in on the DC-10 tonight Spanish bombs, you have to kill me bonito You have to quit oh my god, I thought Spanish bombs, you have to kill me bonito You have to quit oh my god, I thought I like that song. I like, uh, if anyone wants to hear a good cover of it, there's Tijuana No. Yeah, they're a, a oh, yeah, great. They're a Mexican um, ska punk band, and they do a great cover of that. Um, but it, yeah, it's just a great song. Do you yeah, know I, what was the meaning behind it? Do I, you know? to be honest, I don't know. It sounds like there's CIA War? shit involved yeah. involved in that. Talking about getting on a DC-10, and you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. with the. But I, yeah. So I don't. Know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna imagine it has to do with the Sandinista conflict that was starting at that time, right? True. So, and then later on, I mean, very politically active and talking about uh, shadow wars and things like that, that were mm-hmm. probably more mainstream knowledge of going on based on the press coverage in England than there would have been in the United States at the time. Uh, but pretty cool. I don't know. I, I love the song. I love that they're trying. I just, you know, there's a, I like how there's Costa Rica, like with a K. <laughs> <laughs> Costa like Rica. Costa. That cost, <laughs> isn't Costa like a, a coffee shop in yeah, the UK? A, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so well, funny. speaking of Sandinista, let's move into that album. So, oh, geez, Sandinista. Here we go. Here, the, how do the you slick produced? <laughs> like, how do you follow up London Calling with this album? And this wasn't a success. What This wasn't a successful album at first. No, I, I think it, it is was, now. It is I think now. it is now. But I think. Uh, it had there was so that's when they they became when england was like yeah this is this is an american band now they're not even a yes, you know they yes, all yes. a lot of them had moved to new, to york, new york and at this mm-hmm. point paul's out toppers out mm-hmm. you know what i mean so so uh they're really you're just talking about mick and and joe at this point you know trying to uh work this out so and this album it's they basically sounded like they did everything they wanted to do yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they're like, I like reggae music. Let's do a dub let's out do that. song. Yeah, let's do a let's, dub song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what? I like pop today. We're yeah. Or we're doing this rockabilly song. We're doing this or that. Like it this album was criticized for how all over the place it was and actually how big it was too. It was a giant album. Yeah. Um uh 
but there are some gems on it and oh, for sure no yeah there's something here hear me there's nothing wrong with this record this record's great it's mm-hmm. uh but it, it's ahead of its time for what you are allowed to do like what you're allowed yeah. to do as an artist it's like let's have yeah. a cohesive through line through the record let's not jump all over the place maybe save that for your dub record or your side yeah. project or whatever and uh i i like that it's like nah, i want to do it like this and we're gonna do this because we can basically and and if you listen to the that uh podcast they talk about how there's people that would just drop by the studio and they would just they did the only this is the only record that they did that they did not have pre-recorded songs they didn't have a plan of what songs they were just going to write them in the studio and do it which is ballsy as fuck you know to like what if you get there and it's like nope we got nothing left like we just recorded this jam session of ours we're just gonna put it on two or three tracks yeah we're just gonna make this work i don't know we'll figure it out Uh, (laughs) whatever yeah um so i'm gonna play the magnificent seven off of this great we'll kick it off and then we'll um kind of go through this album okay the magnificent seven ring ring seven a.m move yourself to go again cold water in the face And your bankers too Must get up and learn those rules When the man and the crazy chief One says sun and one says sea AM and FM the PM too Turning out that boogaloo Get you up and I guess you out But how long can you That's super well, cool uh, What year was this album? This was the 80s, right? Yeah, this is 82, right? 82? Uh, let me look it up Keep bantering Banter, okay. banter, banter Banter um i'm looking i'm looking oh 80 oh 1980 okay yeah nice and what i like about it it kind of touches on a lot of things there's a lot of funk in there sure so in the states you started it was the emergence of hip-hop you kind of hear a little rapping in yeah in that song yeah and that's what they say that they beat blondie to being the first Mm -hmm. white band to rap yeah in a song um before you know they beat him by like nine months because Blondie's uh, Blondie's song didn't come out until till after. So that's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about let's go a little crazy with it and talk about uh, uh, how like a dub song like one more dub gets on there. So let's play that real quick and just see how the diversity of this album. It's really great. So dub isn't my favorite music. Yeah. Okay. As much as I love reggae and ska and Jamaican music, dub I can't do. It's to me it's like 60s psychedelic rock. It's just jamming. And it I can be. It can I be. can't. Yeah. And like I said before or earlier, I need a melody. I need a hook. I need the pop. Right. You so, need the pop. I gotcha. Okay. So I appreciate what they did, but some of the the more dubby songs I can't do. Gotcha. I understand. I actually just like it because the baseline is so good, you know, in, in a lot of these and a lot of, I mean, that's the only thing that really dub really is. Right. Yeah. And that echo, the echo chamber, like vocals and all that. I just think it's pretty ballsy 
for again for a band to say oh you know what this is what they're doing in trinidad here's what they're doing in jamaica Mm -hmm. right now um you know they've had elements of ska uh and reggae and other songs rudy can't fail from london calling which i would have played but i've played like 14 times on this podcast already (laughs) i think we played that on the very first episode yeah i love the song i mean the song is a great example of a pop song done Mm -hmm. done uh ska like that but uh but i'm gonna play just one more off of this so i'm gonna take this one and then you could take uh combat rock because there's some great songs on it too but i'll do uh i'm gonna do somebody got murdered just because it's a great song It, it makes all the lists of good of good class songs and just a later example of how they still had their roots as well. So here's somebody got murdered off of San Anista. Yeah, I would, dude, I absolutely love the, uh, I love the song because that song could have been made in 1992. Totally. It could have been a Ned's Atomic Dustbin song. It could have been a Manchester song from that time, mm-hmm. you know? The fact that they have their, that loud guitar sound still, which is indicative of that, of the punk rock they came from, but then they have these overdubs, these cool little, which now you'd call them samples. I don't know. I'm sure it was somebody playing the xylophone or something uh, <laughs> like that cool little yeah. arpeggiating thing there. I mean, just a really cool song. And then you've got Joe's really soft vocals on that, which is very, very cool. It's you know, the contrast of singing about murder and having this like soft kind of sweeter vocal, which is rad. Yeah. I love the buildup in the beginning. Like yeah, right? I love that, that slow buildup. Um, so now we move into combat rock, which is their fifth, album and it came out in 82 Um, this was one of their most successful albums because it bred two of their most popular songs of all time um not (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly um so the two like biggest songs on here are rock the cash and should i stare should i go right and i'm not gonna play those songs because we've all heard them um But there are some other gems on this album too. Oh, there's it's, so many good ones. No, you're right. It's a great one. Um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of good ones. But I'm gonna play "Straight to Hell." Oh, nice. Love, okay, cool. I love yeah. this song. Um, Lily Allen did a really good cover of this song too. I recommend you listening to that. Yep, and I have a fun fact about this after. But go ahead. Okay, we'll play it. with the fun facts mike well i a that the beginning of that song became way more recognizable to a whole new generation of people because yes. of mia yep. you know and you hear that and i mean they played that in at dodger stadium they played that in stadiums all over the world it's just mm-hmm. such a hype thing and and i knew right away what the sample was but it's such a creative use and i like mia so what does it matter uh but uh but uh straight to hell was also the name of a film that that joe strummer starred in after he was done with the clash he went to go film in la uh 
it's a pretty good film. Uh, to be honest, I fell asleep um, halfway through it. I'm like, I haven't seen that. Was that the one that all the members of the classroom, didn't they make their own movie or was this the movie that no, they talked no, about on the podcast? No, just, just Joe Strummer's Okay. Just Joe Strummer's in it. But yeah, and it's called Straight to Hell. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique. And I, somebody really like well-known, some cult director directed it. So it's supposed to be like very Interesting. good. But add that to your list of viewing, your quarantine viewing. Uh, if you can find it, you know, it'd be what's going to awesome. happen with when like Netflix runs out of content, like people are watching everything right now and they can't produce more content. So they're just going to have to switch up the movies that they have, but yeah, they're going to have to go deep and cause they probably, what they probably did with some of them, I would imagine, I don't know this to be true, but maybe there's individual titles that they want that are kind of new releases or, or recent releases. Yeah. But then there's probably a catalog. I would assume that you could buy from whoever and play a bunch of older movies or whatever. Yeah. This is great though, because there's people that are doing things, listening to things they may not listen to or writing songs they may not write or, or writing in a different way or mm-hmm. writing scripts. I mean, so there should be a lot of creative. Creatives don't stop being creative because they can't go outside, you know? Exactly. So it, 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 it's, uh, there, there's it, other stuff in the works. I guarantee it. For This is a very significant us. time in history for people yeah. to bounce their creativity off of. Totally, and, uh, totally. And, yeah. and, you know, they're, they're getting to a chance to see. There's people... Uh, in the ska scene locally, just doing acoustic one-offs, you know? And it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'll tune in and watch this guy sing his heart out for 10 minutes and then be done with it. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, man, let's, let's all support each other like this. Yeah, so. it's been great. We've been watching Ben Gibbard of Death Cab. Yeah. Um, every day for two weeks, he did an hour-long performance of requests. Oh, he awesome. answered questions, did all that stuff. Um, he was great. And now he's moving to every Thursday oh, doing cool. it. He's like, nice. oh, I actually have to, like, work on other projects as much as I want to do this every day. So he's moving it to once a week, but it's still, it's the only time I've cried listening to a song was Ooh, when shit. he played, um, he played, I'll follow you into the dark. Oh yeah. No, yeah, nope. Which gets me anyways. Like <laughs> it's such anyway a beautiful too. song, but when he, he sang it and then he, you know, talked about it. Like I was in tears. It's the only time I've really cried over a song. Yeah. No, that yeah. song especially. It's that's a hard one. Yeah. That's a hard one for sure. If you've ever lost anybody you care about, that song is like, wow. Ugh. Totally. Yeah. And it's a great example of how you don't need the world's most complicated chords to write a beautiful song. Because <laughs> yeah. that song's pretty easy to play and it's, you know, just from the heart. So it's great. Well, what else you got? You got one more from or do you wanna do you wanna go into um the crap album or no? Well we have <laughs> um we have three Uh-oh. well if we go to 14 keep it at our normal we can do one more song or we can do three more maybe throw in like a joe strummer song okay cool yeah we can do okay so let's do um one more for combat rock we'll do know your rights because that's actually a song that i wanted to play sure i know you mentioned it and then we'll move on oh so you you just want to throw that out there and make sure like you're not doing it because i said it was cool you wanted to do it on your own (laughs) i see how it is i was thinking the same great okay good A public service announcement with guitar. Yeah, what do you I, think of this? Well, I know your rights is one of my favorites. So uh-huh. uh, we've established that 
you know, we were talking about that earlier, but um, it's one of my favorites anyway. I think it's one of their best that they've done. And, you know, I, I don't know. I like that album's really popular because of the, the two, uh, you know, disco disco tracks are really popular mm-hmm. tracks, but there's also gems like that on it. And it's so long. So it's such a good yeah. one. I right. just, I think that on any of their albums, you're going to find something like a gem, like you said, you're going to find yeah. something you like. Um, even one of their worst albums. In yeah, the world. true. Well, yeah. yeah, which leads us to our next thing. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, most bands, they give you eight, nine, 12 tracks to choose from. And, uh, you know, and so you're bound to have one gem on that. Maybe this album has like 36 songs, <laughs> some crazy amount of songs on it. So you're going to have more than one uh, little ditty that you like. So that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, If you get so, through it all. Yeah. yeah, if you get through it all. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a good choice. So you had, you wanted to play one from the quote unquote crap record. It's not the official title of the record. <laughs> no, pretty close though. Pretty yeah. close. Uh, the album is, hold on. I think it's, this is crap. This is crap. Or cut the crap. Cut the crap. Cut the crap. Cut the crap. It came out in 1985, so the year I was born. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, I think they were trying to do too much. I think they were trying to... uh, Trying to modernize and do what other bands were doing and use more... um, not synthesizer, but electronic music, more poppy. Like they were trying to do way too many things similar to Sandinista, but in a bad way on this album. Well, yeah. And at this point, uh, you know, uh, God, my mind's trying to like, Vic Jones already gone, right? He was gone and now he's uh, coming back. Like, so, so uh, they'd kind of reconciled a little bit on this record. And I think they were, they were starting to write together again with, which what would be a, um, Basically, what would turn into a big audio dynamite record, you know, which came out truly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the yeah. early stages of that album, right? For sure, of that band, yeah. So realistically, you're only looking at Joe, and Joe is so. The great thing about Joe Strummer is is that he's so eclectic, and he wants to be inclusive of everything, and he's in it <laughs> for the art and all this stuff. The bad thing about Joe Strummer is he's all inclusive, and he wants to be in it for the art and all this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's kind of like how um, how the how the previous record had you know they they didn't have anything prepared and they just did it all in the studio. Well, that's great, uh, but how many times can you collect lightning in a bottle? And I would suggest not that many. You know, so yeah. you you want to make sure you got at least eight or nine songs in the, in, you know, ready to go when you get to the studio, I think. And so otherwise you end up with a, this this clunker, kind of a clunker, but still it's the clash. I mean, how bad is it? It's kind of like, you know, it's like what everybody says about sex and pizza, even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. Totally. (laughs) Like it wasn't terrible. I didn't hate all of it, but um, one song stood out on there and it's, this is England. Um, so let's give that a listen because it's yeah. the one song that I think uh, reminds us of what the old Clash sounds like. Awesome, let's hear it. Oh, they have Yeah. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool song. You're right. I I go with you and say that that's a good song. I would uh I would say that's one of the bright spots of the record. Sure. Yeah, totally. It's a kind of a bummer that they went out on this song. Like that, yeah. not the song, this album. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't their plan. I don't think. No. I th- I think uh, you know, listening to that documentary, uh, they're talking about how you know, uh, or the documentary, the uh, podcast that we were talking about, uh, that, you know, they they had got into it like they were, uh, you know, basically, like I said, it was just Joe. So then mm-hmm. they're getting in and, he, and towards the end of all this, he starts collaborating with Mick and then he appears on, he, he ended up writing several songs for the big Audio Dynamite record yeah. that Mick was in the studio for. So it's just a timing issue. You know, it's a timing issue. Had they... Who knows what would have happened had uh, Big Naughty O Dynamite failed, which it didn't. It was a huge worldwide success. Mm-hmm. Uh, had it failed, who knows? You know, who knows what would have happened. I actually got into Big Audio Dynamite uh, uh, when they were popular. I, I really liked them just because of the Clash heritage. Mm-hmm. Just because I figured at that point in my life, I was thinking I was starting to buy vinyl. And I was thinking like how I better buy this stuff because they're never going to make it again. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I originally thought, and then I also thought like, oh, this is important to own all this stuff on vinyl because when this medium goes away, you're just going to have these little CDs that you buy. And so I was buying up, you know, I, I think that's when I bought Give Them Enough Rope, and I bought I bought these other Clash records, even though I wasn't a fan of it. I just figured I needed to have it in my collection, you know. Totally, basically. totally. So I was a poser audiophile kid back then, I guess. Buy them at Tower Records. You could buy vinyl cheap. <laughs> so. it was a good store i miss that store yeah that store was awesome i did anyway. get to see big audio dynamite once i saw them oh, really? at, Co- at coachella one year they oh played. nice yeah yeah that was awesome it was between uh, them and mumford's son so it was running back and forth yeah you know i've uh so confession um i've only been to one coachella in my entire life mm. so sorry yeah, about you that. year one year one so yeah oh, that's other- cool yeah. So other than that, I thought that was going to be it. So I went, <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be 20 of these things. Yeah. And I was really bummed out, you know, years later when some really cool lineups were happening. But um, yeah. But now I kind of feel like I'm okay because, you know, every third guy's like Joe Bananas, as my dad would say, my dad had this thing, this expression, whenever he didn't know something or know somebody mm-hmm. like we're walking, you know, as kids, he would take us to Hollywood to walk on the walk of fame. And it'd be like every third one, we didn't know who the guy was. He's like, yeah, there's a, uh, there's Jack Benny and Johnny Carson and I don't know, Joe Bananas, whoever that guy is, <laughs> Joe Bananas. Every third guy was Joe Bananas. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so you want to play one from Strummers? Do you want to pick Wars? one? I would, yeah. I would yeah, really like to it. pick one. Um, I have a favorite, uh, actually, and this is from when I actually I got to see them uh, when this album came out, and so I'm really stoked that I got to see it, uh, see them play this. But it's... One of my favorites off of Joe Strummer and the Mascaleros. Uh, let me just find it here. It's uh, the album that they did. It came out in 2003. It's called Street Core. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the opening track. I think that Strummer had a really good knack for picking these like opening songs that were just really kind of cool and anthemic. But uh, this one uh, is called Coma Girl. And it is one of my, it's one of my favorite Joe Strummer songs of all time, let alone Mm -hmm. being that it was from the Mascaleros record. So I'm going to play that for you now. Cyber gang, 
song it's hard for me not to say a clash song or a dress drummer song is a great song like yeah they're all gonna they're all good even though no, they're all good like i said it's it's like coffee <laughs> <laughs> like it's all i got left so it's it's really great you know yeah I mean? <laughs> yeah so I, I i honestly think uh that particular record was really great and the fact that you know he's playing festivals and he's out he's out on the road again i mean i saw him at i saw him at the troubadour you know i mean that's pretty amazing that's a great like, place to see him yeah the that's only awesome. only other better story i have than that is i i actually got to see um elvis costello at the troubadour uh with him and steve naive and pete townsend was like two guys down for me and tom petty was at the end of the bar it was amazing Bad. but we'll talk about that during the Elvis Costello tribute. <laughs> but uh, so I think it was fun, right? Uh, reviewing yeah, this the is cool. We did a pretty good job. I think I would listen to this playlist if I just came across it, right? I think so too. I think we chose a mixture of like their known songs and unknown songs or less listened to songs. And for this being our first time, second time really like recording from two different homes, yeah, it's weird. It works it's weird. out. It's it weird, but... So, yeah, if those of you who are just tuning in, we're not in the same room, obviously. We're respecting social distancing and trying to nip this thing in the bud so we could all get back to daily life. But who knows how what daily life is going to look like anymore? I mean, you know, maybe, know, maybe Bezos is really the king of the universe and all of our shit's going to go through Bezos and we're going to, we're going to have social, we're going to have social interaction online and like once a month at like a safe house or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, I've never missed worked more. Never. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and it's kind of thing. It's like, I know I get less done. I know I get less done. And for a guy who is always, I mean, I drive like an hour to work and back, mm-hmm. you know, like you do too. And mm-hmm. I've always said, if I could work from home, I think my life would be way different. And kind of a bummer, actually, because yeah. like, today our system went down for a bunch of hours. And so I was watching The Wire and checking in on my emails. That's basically <laughs> all I was doing all day. So, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I hope this is not the new normal. I just said that. Like, I hope mm-hmm. it's not the new normal. I, I realize that I really, uh, I really love interacting with people. And I, I miss all my drinking buddies and my friends and, you know miss them all including julia including john including you guys. i know it's it like, sucks yeah. it's um i look forward to the tuesdays when or mondays when we record and i take the 15 minutes from my office to drive to you guys like it's it's cool to hang out and actually be face to face and do this it, the conversations are a lot easier yeah uh, for sure for sure and you know it's yeah. it's great is that as cool and as aloof as like as cool guy and as aloof of our society has become, maybe we needed this as like a reset to like reevaluate mm-hmm. like what is important and people are definitely important. So that's what quarantine's taught me. That's my essay. Here's my theme, <laughs> third grade Mike writing the theme right here. <laughs> but anyway. Double so that was space, two sided. Yeah, two sided. So, uh, well, that was cool. Yeah, that was good. Um, if anyone has suggestions for another band who has a large catalog that we can like explore, let us know. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to. I mean, Elvis Costello's is pretty massive. I don't know. If we're gonna tackle that. Maybe we'd have to do like the like the eighties, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> do you even tackle <laughs> we, the nineties? If we do that, we gotta do UB forty. 
I, oh, I keep throwing it out there, but you do keep. <laughs> I'm just saying, when the repertoire of songs is all those covers, like really, <laughs> aren't all ska songs covers? Yeah, they pretty much are. Yeah, which they're all the same covers that UB40 did. Yep. Yep. Ooh, snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> anyways all right well hey thanks everybody for listening and please tune in uh we're gonna try to bang these out a little more frequently now that we know how to i know do them from far away so and we have all the time in the world so plenty of time. what are you gonna do plenty of time uh, we'll see you all next time bye guys bye what do you want to know what do you want to know do you want to know about omar from the wire i can tell you all about it you want to know I'm definitely going to go sit in the room while this is happening. Yeah, you should. You should do that. There's, it's crazy that you're right here and there's still a delay. There's still a delay because it has to go to space and come back. That's the irony. We feel like we're so close, but it actually has to go to space. <laughs> I call this meeting of the Midnight Society. <laughs> Okay, so go to your garage band and uh-huh. let me know when you're ready to hit record. Um, I'm ready. I'm on the button. All right, press record. We and are recording. Yeah. And we're going to do a clap test. So clap on after I say three. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. No, because there's going to be oh, a little bit of a laugh. Oh, it's not together? Okay, gotcha. Right. So that's good. So let's just do Stop one Stop laughing. I know. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. All right. So you guys do your thing. So I'm not going to be able to pause or anything. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot our speech. What's speech? the line? What's the line? It's welcome to Mixtape Mixtape Podcast Podcast. Welcome to the Mixtape Mixtape Podcast Podcast. I am your wait, host, Julia, and I am your host, Mike. Welcome to Mixtape Mixtape Podcast Podcast. You say podcast, podcast. I'm your host, Julia. Blah, 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 blah. I'm your host, Mike. Each week, we pick a topic and make you a mix. What's this week's topic, Julia? Like that? Yeah. yeah. Mixtape, mixtape, podcast, podcast was created by Julia Halpern and produced by me, Christina DLT. Sound engineering by Dwight Francis Productions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes Podcasts, CastBox, iHeartRadio, or wherever fine podcasts like this are found. For more content and a list of songs for each episode, head to our website, mixtapemixtapepodcast.com, or find us on Instagram at mixtapemixtapepodcast. See ya!